This is us. That's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Just looking at ourselves, looking at our church family, and just saying, hey, this is us. This is who we are. All the things that are awesome about us and all the things that we wish were a whole lot better, this is us. And if you've missed being here with us, I invite you to go on our uh, YouTube page and uh, get caught up. We've had some awesome stories that have been shared by this church family. We had uh, Eugenia Garrison tell her story about how things happened in her life that she had no control over and how she made some choices that weren't the best either and how God carried her through all that and is using her to touch other people's lives. We, we had uh, Jackson uh, Stacy's story last week about choices made, about walking away from his faith and walking away from God and, and, and on his path back and, and what it's taken through, through mistakes and failures in prison time to get to where he is now. We had stories from, from moms Real stories from real moms. Mom fails is what we like to call them. We got to hear some real stories about, about how God redeems those failures. It's been, it's been awesome to be a part of this, of this thing with you. We're going to share another story today. Uh, and today is, is unique in that we're going to hear the story from two, what I would call former skeptics. Um, it's... Saying atheist is a really powerful word and has really uh, strong connotations to it. I don't know that Michael and Lori Glenn were, would consider themselves fully atheists. Maybe they would. They didn't want to have, either one of them, uh, for a long time, want to have anything to do with God or church or anybody that was in the church. And God worked in powerful ways to bring them um, on a journey of faith. If you don't know Michael and, Lori, and Glory, blah, Michael and Lori Glenn, they've been a part of our church family really since the beginning. Um, there's so much that I could share about just my friendship and my relationship with them, uh, and and how it has affected me and, and my family. But I'm just I'm, I want you I want to give you the most amount of time to hear their stories. It's going to be a little bit longer story than what we've heard from some of our other ones uh, in this series because both of them are going to share. Uh, their stories. I knew, I knew both of their stories really well. And I asked Lori ahead of time, we were going to do this whole series. I asked her if she'd be willing to. And, and <clears throat> I think she said no, or maybe she gritted through her teeth and like, really, do you want me to? And I finally convinced her to. And then I was talking to Christy, my wife, about it. And she's like, well, you need to get Michael's story too. And I thought there's no way in this world that Michael, who is an awesome guy, but that's just not something that he does. He doesn't talk about himself. And he especially doesn't talk about some things that might make him appear vulnerable. It's just not who he is. And he's willing to do it, and he's willing to share that with you. And so I want to give them as much time as possible this morning. So you're going to watch their story, them share their story this morning, and then I'm going to wrap up with just a couple things to say when they're done. But I hope, I hope that you can tune in. I hope that you can pay attention and really hear the amazing story uh, of these two skeptics and how God moved them from skeptic to saved. So as a kid, I grew up with a Catholic mom, and my father was atheist. Um, my mom didn't practice her faith a lot because she was divorced, and the church kind of didn't let her come back after that. Um, my father, though he was atheist, wasn't really anti-Christ, so he, he, he wasn't 
against my mom kind of teaching us her faith. And so we didn't go to church, but she talked to me about her her beliefs. And so as a child, I believed in God, but I, I only believed because my mom told me. Um, and she, she kind of was the whole, God's always watching and God sees what you're doing. So she kind of used it as a, I think she kind of used it as a discipline tool too. And then uh, as a teen, I kind of lost the blind faith, so to speak, and I started having questions. And when I would ask my mom questions, she would usually answer them with, I don't know, or the Bible says, or that's just how God made it, or, or whatever. And I kind of just, after a while, stopped asking the questions, because uh, I wasn't really getting answers. And I kind of went from questioning to just indifference, and then eventually just, just not even feeling it was important. Uh, as a young adult, I moved to South Carolina, the Bible Belt, where people definitely had opinions. Um, and in a lot of the local politics uh, of religion, there was a lot of strong opinions. Um, it's kind of what I call ugly Christianity, where the people on the street corners boycotting whatever was going on. God hates this. God hates that. Um, you're going to go to hell for this. You're going to go to hell for that. I had coworkers telling me I was going to go to hell um, for life choices I had made. And it was it kind of just uh, left a really bad taste in my mouth. Um, these would also be the same people that would try to save me. Um, you know, telling me I was a sinner and only Jesus could save me. If I believed in him, I'd have salvation. I didn't really know what any of those words meant, but I also know I didn't really want to hear it from them. Uh, so I just kind of let them have their opinions and I had mine and just kind of felt like, I guess it kind of landed me in a place of if, if being Christian means I, that's what I have to do, if it's being part of that world, it's not really a world I want to be part of. Um, I also kind of felt I was doing okay without God. And uh, so if I'm doing okay, do I really need to read, you know, it was just nothing I ever craved to find out more about. And then uh, the last piece of it was it just really didn't make sense. The whole idea that this being created the earth out of nothing and, and all that. So it just logically it never really made sense to me either. Uh, so fast forward a few years, and that's just kind of where I, I stayed as, as far as my faith goes. Um, when Michael and I got married, we were both atheists, so religion wasn't going to be an issue in our marriage uh, until, oddly enough, it was our kids that started my journey for me. I sent Alex to a Mom's Day Out program at the Bentonville Church of Christ, um, not because it was Christian-based, uh, but because it was cheap and Mama needed a break. <laughs> so. Uh, that's where we went so for a couple days a week and he came home started asking questions about what he was learning at, at school during their chapel time and I didn't have the answers and I kind of felt like I didn't want to push my views on him so I wanted to be able to answer his questions and so I started doing some research um, so that I could answer his questions and that's kind of what started my journey uh, was more so looking for questions for for him. So it was after after talking to some friends and, and seeing that piece, I started thinking, well, maybe I'll visit a church, take my 
get off the Google and go into a church. And so I started visiting some churches. they weren't necessarily bad experiences, but they weren't necessarily great experiences either. And I was just kind of indifferent. And it was about this time that my my paths crossed with an old friend that I knew from when I lived in South Carolina. Uh, and her name is Jasmine. And I was just in conversation telling her about what I was doing, visiting some churches. And her and her husband were members at the Southside Church of Christ. And they invited me to go with them there. And so I did, and that's where I heard Marshall speak for the first time. And uh, he was the first preacher that I heard that I really felt was teaching me, not preaching to me, and really speaking from the heart. And that was, I left there feeling inspired and actually wanting to come back and hearing more of what he had to say. So um, I kept going back. Michael and the kids joined me. And we went for several months uh, to Southside. And uh, even though I was going, nothing was really changing. I was liking what I was hearing. I was hearing um, about a different type of Christianity than what I had known um, before. It was a learning of a God of love and forgiveness and grace rather than a God of hate and judgment. Um, I started to get to the point where I wanted to believe, but I just didn't. And um, after a few few months of going, I just kind of felt like, what's the point? I guess I don't believe. And so I stopped. I did invite Jasmine to some coffee. To some coffee. <laughs> I invited Jasmine uh, to coffee to help answer some of my questions that I had. And she agreed to meet me. And we met. And the way she talked to me that day was really huge. Um, Instead of telling me what I should believe, she asked me, what did I believe? And she approached me in a way that was very unassuming, and um, she didn't seem to have an agenda. She just truly wanted to be there to answer my questions. And the one thing that always amazed me that people would do is, is they would when I would ask questions, or even if they were just trying to talk to me about God, they would say, the Bible says, or God says, or God commands us to do this, or the Bible says that. But as an atheist, I don't believe in God. I didn't believe in the Bible. So using that as a way, as a tool to convince me that he existed or that I needed to live a certain way, just it wasn't the right tool to use. And Jasmine didn't do that. She when I asked her questions, instead of saying the Bible says, she goes, well, I think, and even though her, her answers were biblically, biblically, biblically based, even though her answers were biblically based, they weren't, she wasn't trying to use God, the words of God. She was using her words, um, which as a, as someone who was a non-believer, it, it was just a little bit more believable. And it, it was after that conversation, I found myself wondering, what do I believe? Did I even know what I believed? Or did I just know I didn't believe in God? And that's when I really started questioning the foundation of, and, and does what I believe even make sense? Does it make any more sense? Can I, can I any more so prove that there isn't a God than she can prove that there is? And that's when it really started kind of clicking for me.
Um, and after that, I had so many questions because it really kind of shook me because I realized that I didn't not believe in God because I researched it and determined it not to be true. I was just so turned off by Christians in my life. It was something I was never even interested in finding out about. And I had an older brother who was an atheist until he was in his mid-30s, which was the age I was at the time. And so I called him and asked him, you know, after being 35 years old and going from atheist to Christian, what did it for him? And he told me his story. And even though it didn't convert me, um, he did leave me with a powerful, useful tool. Because uh, he told me, you know, because I told him, I said, I, I want to believe, I just don't. It doesn't make sense to me. And he said, well, then you just need to pray. And I laughed. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to pray to a God I don't believe in? And he said, you just pray, God, I don't know if you're out there, but if you are, and then follow up with your prayer. And that's exactly what I did. I don't have a pinpoint day of when I started believing in God, but all of a sudden it started making more and more sense that some other being that is not in our realm of existence, that is beyond human powers, could orchestrate, plan, and make this universe happen rather than random particles playing bumper cars in outer space, you know, forming this universe. And so I got to the point where it logically made sense to me, and I just determined that God really did exist. Um, and I was really excited because I thought, well, here comes the peace, right? Here comes that joy. Uh, but that's not really what happened. Uh, actually, nothing really changed. And it was kind of a letdown, if I must be honest. That fall, I kind of went into a little bit of a, of a depression. And I started seeing a counselor. And I was struggling just with my relating to my husband, relating to my kids, my friends, and just kind of having... A hard time enjoying life in general and um, and visiting the counselor part of part of the process in in part of the process he asked me what's something that you would like to do that's just for you not for anyone else not for your kids not for your husband but just for you and the first thing that popped in my mind was I'm gonna go to church I believe in God now <laughs> why not go to church oh, it was the beginning of December and Marshall was starting his Christmas series on uh, the birth of Jesus and uh, it was perfect timing because I was still struggling with believing that Jesus was the Son of God. I understood, I, I now believed that God existed, but believing that Jesus was the Son of God and was born of a virgin and performed all these miracles still seemed, still didn't make logical sense to me. Hearing these stories about Jesus and going in there this time believing in God, my heart was just a little bit more willing to listen. And after a couple of weeks, I could kind of see where maybe sort of Jesus <laughs> could have been the Son of God. And uh, and it just made my desire to believe even stronger, but it still wasn't there. And it was very frustrating. And um, so I went back to praying, but this time praying to Jesus. I don't know if you were really the Son of God, but if you are, Show me a sign. As I heard more of the story, it, it just started to seem kind of silly that if I believed in a God that could create a universe out of nothing, that that same God couldn't have a baby born of a virgin, couldn't have the, his son perform miracles. And it just kind of started clicking. 
but it still wasn't it was kind of a one day I believe and the next day next day I didn't and I didn't want to make any I didn't want to fake it I didn't want to pretend I wanted to be 100% certain that my faith was solid before I before I claimed it I might have to read some of this that's but fine. that's okay and then the Sunday before Christmas Marshall's sermon was titled The Perfect Gift he talked about how Jesus was the gifts of grace, mercy, and hope, all wrapped into one big perfect gift given to us by God. Listening to that sermon, the wall around my heart fell. And I fell in love with a God who would give us those gifts, regardless of whether or not we deserve them. And I fell in love with Jesus for making the sacrifice he made to be those gifts for us. With that wall around my heart gone, I was able to trust and have faith and to believe. And I was certain of it. After two years of wanting to believe and just not, I was certain of it. Before the invitational song, Marshall said, and I paraphrase, when you allow Jesus to take hold of your life, it's never the same again. And it goes beyond words and it's indescribable and you are unable to declare it, but you know it's true. If you are sitting here today and you have never given your life to Jesus, you never thought it was important, you are not into this church stuff, I want you to know that God gave this gift to you, but it's up to you to receive it, and I'm begging you to take it. I felt like he was talking directly to me. I was sitting next to Jasmine at church that day. And during that invitational song, I felt a nudge. It felt like someone was pushing me to walk up, and I actually looked over at Jasmine because I thought she might be pushing me. It wasn't. It kind of freaked me out. <laughs> I became very overwhelmed. I was kind of confused. Um, I was certain of my faith, but uncertain of what was happening to me in the moment. I'd waited two years to be certain. Kind of felt like um, really overwhelmed by the by the moment, and I wanted to walk up during that song, but I also felt something holding me back. By the time I gathered my composure and decided to walk forward, the song was over, <laughs> and. I was just kind of stuck. Um, I didn't really want to wait, um, but at the same time, I didn't want to make a scene running up to the front going, wait. Um, so I did nothing. I look back at that moment now, and I believe two things happened in that moment. I believe that nudge was the first time I felt the Holy Spirit, and I just didn't recognize it. And I feel like that was the moment my heart, the wall fell around my heart. I let Jesus in and the Holy Spirit came and he was there trying to get me to walk up and take that gift. But I also feel that Satan was there and he wasn't going to give up without a fight. And that's what kept me in my chair. I contacted Jasmine and we made arrangements for me to be baptized the next day. I kept my journey separate um, just because I didn't want to push him. I didn't want to pressure him. And to me, this was really my journey, 
And I figured if he gets called to take a journey, it'll be in, in God's time, just like my journey happened in God's time. I look back to when I first believed in God, and I had mentioned that not much changed. But now I understand why. Because believing God isn't enough. You also have to believe in Jesus and in his sacrifice. Because when I did accept Jesus, everything changed. And what Marshall said was true. When you allow Jesus to take hold of your life, it's never the same again. And it goes beyond words, and it's indescribable, and you are unable to declare it, but you know it's true. I gave him the reins of my life, and knowing that he had a plan for me gave me that peace and that joy that I had seen in my friends. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> and I started viewing my family differently. Um... Instead of getting frustrated with my husband and seeing his faults when I was angry, I saw the man God chose for me. My confidence in parenting grew as I was able to believe that God gave these children to me to raise and that he would give me the wisdom to raise them well, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe if I would quit buying all the books and start praying. <laughs> and I stopped worrying about what other people thought of me and just focused more on God's love for me and knowing that that was enough and not worrying so much about what other people are doing and getting frustrated at outside influences. And It was pretty liberating. Looking back, I realized that my issue with Christianity was never really about God. It was, a, it was about people. And it was the Christians that I had encountered early in my life that had made me decide I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, and I didn't make an educated decision. And it's, as a Christian, that's what I try to avoid. I try not to be that person that's going to keep other people from wanting to find out the truth about God. All right, my, my story is a little similar to Lori's, but maybe a little bit different in that um, starting off as a kid, I moved around a lot with my family when my father moved for different jobs. And I was in, you know, five different cities before I even hit middle school. And so moving around didn't have a, a grounded church life, didn't have a grounded set of uh, friends. And so therefore it was, you know, the family stuck together and, and you learned a lot of different things that way. Kind of grew out in the country, grew up out in the country, and so, you know, a lot of things, you just kind of find ways to entertain yourself. You become self-sufficient, and you, you look at ways to entertain yourself. That's been part of what has uh, helped shape me as a person going forward. And so when I got through, you know, when we got back to Kansas City when I was in middle school, high school time, you know, we didn't have a church family. We didn't go to church. We didn't really talk about church much, and so I wasn't really turned off by church, but didn't really seek it out either because it wasn't part of our daily life. We did a lot to um, get involved in other activities and other things and therefore you know, I was involved a lot in Boy Scouts and some other things. Um, so we had things that we were involved in and you know one of the things around Boy Scouts is about reverent and reverence. And so we'd talk about church and stuff there but not really you know go too deep into it. As I got you know further along, along in my life, you know I went to college and worked hard and did good in grades and, and 
um, you know, whatever I put my mind to, I was always fairly successful about it. And therefore, I always talk to myself that when, when you put forth the effort and you do all these things and you will get all this stuff. And it's all kind of self-driven and self-earned, uh, if you will. So after college, you know, I, I got to the job, I got into the workforce, and then was able to uh, meet with different people, different backgrounds, and different ideas. And I'd had people from time to time talk to me about religion and, and things, but never really too deep. And again, I didn't really avoid them or, or turn them away, but didn't seek out more information or engage them at a deeper level. So day-to-day you know, -day was fine. What I was doing seemed to be working, so just keep on doing what you're doing because I was happy. Um, I had good friends, had a good family, good life, uh, and, and that was all good. And then, you know, I met Lori, and she, you know, started to church a little bit, and so being the, the ever-devoted husband that I am, I decided that if that was important to her, then it's important to me, and so I wanted to go support her with that and then be able to go and um, see what this is all about. So after Lori decided that she wanted to start attending, I, I wanted to go with her, be with her and the kids, and, and help understand what was going on in that space of the family. And so we went to Southside a few times, and I liked the message that was shared. Uh, Marshall was teaching at that time and, and was able to, similar to what Lori had said, you know, I, I liked the way the information was presented. It wasn't talking down to me, it was just more like, here's some stuff you need to know and, and trying to educate you. We still weren't sure, you know, you know, sometimes you, you don't always catch lightning in a bottle the first time, and so we're like, well, we kind of like this. It's kind of neat, but let's go check out some other stuff, see if there's something better out there. And when we went church shopping around some other places around the area, you know, we walked in some places, and, you know, within the first five minutes, we looked at each other and said, would it be rude if we just left now because we were very uncomfortable and it, it was not us. Um, others were somewhere in the middle. We weren't really for it, weren't against it, and so... After visiting several, we decided that, yeah, the, that Flagstone felt more like a, like a family to us and where we were at. Um, being someone that wasn't of faith and being around others who were very uh, committed to their faith, then, you know, that, that's somewhat unnerving a little bit and, and makes you a little apprehensive to, to be around folks a lot. But the, the nice thing around Flagstone, the reason I'm still here today, is that I was never judged. I was never pushed towards anything. I was never told that, you know, you need to get baptized by a certain amount of time or, you know, you can't do these things if you're, you know, not part of the church family or you're not, uh, you haven't been saved or baptized. So one of the other things about me is that, you know, when I commit to something, I'm all in. And I don't take, there are many decisions I don't take lightly. And so one of them was that, you know, if we're going to go to church and we're going to be part of the church family, we need to be all in on the church family. And so I would volunteer in the nursery. I would help with the grounds. I would uh, do whatever was needed uh, around the place. You know, I even teach, even taught a uh, Dave Ramsey class, you know, with Marshall. Because um, he, he approached me and said, hey, would you be interested in this? And I said, yeah, I'll do all the financial teaching, but you got to do the, the preaching and the religion part of it because um, I can't cover that part. Um, and it was nice because, again, you know, I was treated as family, and uh, I was able to then you know, make some friendships and make some connections with people, understand what was going on. And over a series of years um, it took, you know, I started to get closer and closer to the Word. And as I just kind of showed up just to support my wife, and then I showed up just to 
you know, it's something we need to commit to and start doing. And then I showed up just because of something else. You know, finally it started to, to sink in and whether that be, you know, um, me being more open to it or seeking it out or, or more things working in the background, you know, I started to open my eyes a little bit and say, well, maybe this isn't just, you know, another thing to do. So one of the things that Lori and I decided to do then is we uh, end up joining a small group. And, you know, that I think really helped as well because not only did we get to hear the message on Sunday uh, at church, then we were also able to go small group and hear a different message or further with that. And then we were doing some individual studies with some friends as well. And, you know, just like my golf game, when I play once a month, my score's not very good. But when I play two or three times a week, you know, you start getting all the, the, the bad shots out of there. And so the more we were around it, the more we were able to connect to it and understand it. And we'd ask more questions and we'd talk to each other. And, you know, it just felt like things were getting easier for us in that, you know, we, we kind of knew what was going on and, and where we were headed. The thing that I started to realize is that while I had just started to seek out Jesus, and while I just started to understand and learn more about God, you know, they were there all along, and I just wasn't looking for it, and I wasn't allowing anyone to um, to help out, because again, you know, being kind of self-sufficient in my upbringing, you know, I, I thought everything was all right, and, you know, then as I learned more, starting to understand that, well, was it me that was actually going out and doing those things, or was it God that was giving me the power or was it God that was giving me the power to go do those things that gave me those talents, that gave me those abilities to be able to be successful in those things, and I was just able to use them well. Um, so we went one Sunday, and kind of like Lori said, you know, I felt like you know, there was a little something there. Something was kind of talking in my head a little bit of like, hmm, maybe I should think about this today. And then, no, not today. We'll wait till next week. I'll make sure this is right. Because, um, you know, I, I take a while to make important decisions, and this is one that had been brewing for a while. And then eventually, you know, I got to the point where we got out of church and, you know, the, I didn't want to make a, a big public deal out of it. I'm more of a private type person. And so I, we walked out of church and I, I grabbed Marshall and I said, hey, would you be available later this afternoon because I'd like to get baptized. <laughs> he said, sure, we'll make, a, we'll make that work. We'll find a time for you to do that. So we came back up there, had some friends uh, show up as well, and they came up, and then, uh, and then we did it. And it's been awesome since. Aren't those awesome stories? Oh, my goodness. So good to hear. And, uh, you know, Lori uh, started... Uh, as she said, started hanging out with us when we were over at Southside over in Rogers. And about four months after uh, she was baptized, we planted Flagstone. So she just came over to Bentonville with us and kept going to, to, to church with us. And, and Michael uh, was not as fired up initially <laughs> about coming with her. As a matter of fact, he would, to, to his credit, he would come and, and uh, he would, you know, sit and worship and then when everybody stood up for the last song, he would go get the kids and head to the car because he didn't want to talk to anybody. He didn't want anybody talking to him. And then he started staying for the whole worship service. And then they started being a part uh, of our connection group. And I, as he talked about the small group, you know, even with that, 
they just had questions about, about Jesus and about Scripture. And uh, at that time in our connection group, um, any of y'all that were in my group at the time will remember it, like Christy just said, well, I'll handle this. And, and she taught our connection group for several weeks, just the basics, just going through the story like she would in our kids' ministry. And just like, here's the main characters and here's how this all fits together. And she would be talking about stuff and, and she would be writing stuff uh, and, and showing them things. And I would, I would want to interject. I'd be like, oh, but there's, and she's like, ah! And she can go ahead and tell the story and, and, and it, uh, it sank in. I want you to understand when Michael says it took years, it was four or five years after uh, Lori made that commitment that he decided to fully commit. It's an awesome story. I, I could talk more about them. They could share more than what they did. But I wanted you to hear it this morning because um, I want to remind our church family that, that we all have different stories and yet we all have the same story. We are all created in the image of God. We have all fallen short of what he created us to be and we all are in desperate need of a Savior in Jesus Christ. We all have that in common. And no matter what your particular story is, that's something that we all share. That's something that we all need. And I want us to be reminded of that. And I, I especially want any of you that are here this morning or anybody that's watching this online later, if, you're, if you are a skeptic, if you, are a, if you consider yourself a full-blown atheist, but if you have questions, you're wondering, I hope, I hope you listen to their story to Michael and Lori's story. And, I, and I, I hope that you'll at least investigate, question. If nothing else, I hope you want to come here to Flagstone and just feel welcome. You're, we love questioners and skeptics here. We enjoy you being here. It is awesome to us. And we just want to share in that journey with you. Let me, let me wrap up with, with just a couple of thoughts real quick. There's some truths that I want to remind all of us of, or if you're here this morning and you don't have a whole lot of knowledge of, of Jesus and, and his plan for you, there's, there's some truths that you need to know. The first thing that I want, uh, that I want us to all hold on to and, and to know to be true is that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again for every single one of us. Every single one of us. Not just the church people, not just people who are raised in the church, not just people who already believe in Jesus, for everyone. John says in John chapter 3 and verse 16, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Pay close attention. If you got that in your Bibles, circle the world, underline the, the, the word the world. Because God loved the entire world for all time so much they sent Jesus to die for it. God sacrificed Jesus on the cross for my sin to give me life. And he did that for Lori and for Michael and he did that for you. He loved me enough to die for me. He loved, he loved those who have been raised as Christians enough to die for them. He loved those who have never believed in him to die for them and to sacrifice his son for them. He, he loved those who hate him and curse his name so much that he sent Jesus to the cross. That's the truth. And I want you to know that in your heart. 
how true that is. That my God loved you so much, he sent his only son to die on the cross for you. I want you to know that that love, that sacrifice is a gift. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. I can't reimburse God for it. I can't do enough good things to try to pay it back. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and the rescue from sin that it, that it provides for me and the freedom from guilt that it gives me and the continuous presence that I have in my life is a gift. It's, it's grace. It's, it's because he loved me that much. Before I even chose to even think about loving him, he already loved me that much to give me that gift. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter two. It is by grace. It is a free gift. It is by the grace and the love of God that you have been saved through faith. And this isn't from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Folks, whether you've always known the name of Jesus or whether you've never known the name of Jesus, he offers you this gift. It's free. It's for every single person in this room. It's for every single person in this world. That's the truth. And I want you to know it and I want you to believe it, but I also want you to understand very quickly as, as we wrap up, it's a gift. And you can choose whether or not you want it. God will not save you against your will. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Jesus gave his life on the cross and he rose again and God offers salvation and freedom and the most blessed life there could possibly be on this earth through him, but he doesn't force it on anybody. It's up to me to choose whether I want to claim it or not whether I want to take hold of what has already been done for me. The Apostle Paul told a bunch of non-believers the same thing in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 17, verse 27, he said, God did this. God gave this gift. God gave you freedom from sin. God gave you eternal life. God gave you hope. God gave you a blessed life while you're here on this earth. He did that so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. In actuality, he's not very far from any of us. God's not way off in the distance. He's right here and he's saying, here it is. Here's freedom. Here's grace. Here's hope. Here's forgiveness. Like you've never experienced before. Here it is. Reach out and take it. I want us to know those things to be true. I want us to live our lives believing those things are true. That we can completely be set free of, of guilt and of our addictions and of our habits and of our attitudes and our resentment and of things that have been done to us in the past that we had no control over and things that we have done that was all our choices and, and our fear and our laziness and complacency. We can be set free from all those things through the gift of Jesus. what Michael and Lori found out to be true. And I want you to know it as well. I love their story. I love having been able to witness it firsthand. I'm glad you got to hear it this morning. But I want you to know 
here in a moment, we're going to stand together, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to sing about how God has the power to save anybody. And as we're singing that song, if you, if you have thought about for a while, man, I, I think I might want to commit to Jesus, but I'm not for sure, I, I, I would pray that you would make that choice today. If you made that commitment in the past and you've walked away from it, I would pray that you would recommit today. That you say, you know what? I want that presence back in my life. And we will, we will surround you with love and grace and prayer and hope and whatever help we can give to get you on that journey. But I want you to know, if you have been hurt, if you have been mistreated, if you have been judged, by those of us who claim to be Christians. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we treated you that way. I hope you'll forgive us. We're not perfect. But we have a perfect Savior who loves you in spite of us. If you're just curious... I love to start the conversation. Come find me after worship. We'll set up a time to get together and talk. If you are ready to commit, welcome. If you're ready to come back home again, welcome. Believe these things about Jesus to be true. Decide what that belief is going to do for you this morning. While together we stand and sing. If you need to, come forward.